0: Sarah Gillespie is a freelance travel and lifestyle writer. Half Filipina and half Scottish, she's based in Glasgow, but has written extensively about the Philippines and other East Asian countries. And recently, she's been exploring Taiwan for Journey Travel Magazine. And that's where we pick up with her now. Welcome to the latest episode of The Journey Podcast, where I, Sir Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Season 5 is brought to you in partnership with the Taiwan Tourism Administration.
1: I um, was born in Dundee to uh, a Scottish dad and a Filipina mom. Um' I was part of a um very large extended uh, multicultural family uh um, oh, they're wonderful so so travel was uh travel was always very much part of my upbringing um i think i i did my first trip to the Philippines when I was one and then uh, every every two years since then pretty much um quite often t- tying it in with other countries in Asia so Malaysia. Um Hong Kong Thailand that sort of thing um but i I never really thought that I could actually make a career out of it <laughs> so i when when i when I went to uni i um uh, I actually ended up doing a master's degree in computer animation Good lord <laughs> uh. yeah not not very not not very
0: relevant to travel um, no I mean I think it's quite common right I studied engineering absolutely nothing to do with travel no. really. But so tell us a little bit about animation. So that's hmm. that's that's Toy Story and the like. Is it? What, what does? What did your degree?
1: Well, um, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't end up going into film. Though I ended up spending three years in London working as a medical animator.
0: Oh wow! What so like reconstructing kind of images of people's bones and stuff? How does that? What, what Pretty does that much, like? you yeah. know. That's amazing! Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, the, working for pharma companies, just. Um, Kind of telling, illustrating what uh, what what various drugs do um, to to the body, and uh, it's much it's much easier than you know reading a PDF.
0: What video? God, I hate PDFs. Um, But that's that's a different that's a different story. So so you're working in you say you moved down to London from from Scotland, and you were spending a lot of time doing yeah medical imagery, I guess, kind of digital imaging.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I mean tra- traveling when I could. Um sure. but I think after after about two years, um for reasons that warrant a podcast of their own, um I got oh, a bit yeah. disillusioned with the industry and uh, decided to to start saving to to go traveling. Never really had that okay. gap year
0: experience. Um it sounds like we're gonna have to do a we're gonna have to do like a follow-up podcast sometime soon then on, on the reasons. Reasons why you left.
1: Yeah, and I yeah, so I saved up, saved up for a while. Eventually, quit my job. I had no concept of what I was going to do afterwards. But I, I ended up spending 15 months backpacking. Uh, it was supposed to be, uh, it, it was supposed to be a solo trip, um, and then my my parents ended up hijacking about half of it. It's <laughs> so ended up traveling around Asia with my mom, um, which well. turned out to be. Actually fantastic. It was it was really good because I you know, my mum being Filipina of course. She, she quite often gets even if we're in other countries, uh we quite she quite often gets mistaken for being from, say, China or Taiwan or whatever country that that we were in. Right. So people were much more likely to approach us. Um and we got a lot more a lot more phone numbers, a lot more random
0: invitation probably, you get like you, the inside track essentially
1: yeah yeah very much yeah
0: fantastic maybe you could pick out a couple of uh couple of those experiences those uh individual countries that you enjoyed so much
1: so my mom and i spent about a month in in total um backpacking around taiwan uh but but it was i mean a month seems like a long time but we really took our time i think we only we only went to maybe three three cities wow amazing um and uh, by far, my my favorite of those those cities was uh, Kaohsiung, uh, which is so. Taiwan has a lot of um, a lot of disused factories, disused <laughs> warehouses um, that have been repurposed for uh, what are now called tourism factories. That's been repurposed as um, yeah. museums, art galleries, that sort of thing and um, pier two is one of my favorite it's a it's a collection of warehouses along along the pier in Kaohsiung. and um it's yeah just uh, art galleries there's VR cinema there are gig venues um and my mom and I turned up and there was an anime convention going on <laughs> so and then it was totally wild just bunch of bunch of cosplayers uh, just just lined up and they also um and they also had this great thing. Sort of manga of um, a figure is the kind of um focal point appear appear too, so it it yeah it was a great photo opportunity
0: yeah this this is this is in twenty seventeen with your mum?
1: uh yeah, this was in twenty seventeen yeah, yeah and then we got to um at, at the end of the pier there's a park with uh, a lot of installations and in it. it's the it's the disused railway station mm-hmm. and there were all these families out with their kites. And me and my mum just thought, this is this is the best thing. So we ended up buying our own kite. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> just fly flying with it. And I think um I think for me that that really for me kind of sums up what Taiwan is about because i um I find it's not it's not really a tick box destination. You know, mm, it's sure. not um it's not somewhere where you know, I think people we kind of live in a soundbite era. Um and people want to say, Oh, why should I go to a destination? And you know, in, in France or whatever you could say, Oh go to the Eiffel Tower or you know, go to the, the Great Wall or Machu Picchu or these kinds yeah, of definitely. you
0: know, big big places big, you have big, to see before you die kind of stuff. Uh, All that well, <laughs>
1: and um yeah, I think as I think as a as a travel writer we kind of realize that a lot of these places don't don't sort of live up to, to what you know what you maybe hoped. and um, absent. Um, but I think in, in Taiwan, it's, it's more about, um, it, it's more about feeling and it's more about the little things, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, like, uh, I don't know, finding, finding street art in an unexpected place or, um, I don't know, um, meeting like <laughs> something that happened on the journey trip was, uh, I met a member of the Olympic curling team at Nightmarth. Both of I mentioned
0: pieces. I don't think you did. Uh. I mean, as you can tell, folks, we're kind of, as we say, Sarah has been out there recently, like six six years later, and this year uh, for for journey exploring. But the how did you know you met somebody from the curling team? They weren't carrying their big rocks around with them, or I think were they?
1: No. So what tends to what tends to happen in Taiwan is that uh, people just come up to you. They just you know they they just want to talk to you whenever whenever they hear you're talking English. I mean, uh, there is a very high level of. Um, english literacy yes of course of course i want people always want to people always want to practice when when they see when they see you and on the journey trip um i didn't have as many of those kind of um interactions just because i had a guide the whole time right um so she uh michelle she, she was great um she she was there with me almost the whole time but there was one moment in the night market she went away to go and get some cash out of the van and within about five seconds i was surrounded by people (laughs) (laughs) all saying hi where are you from you know what um fantastic oh what what brings you to taiwan like what do you want to visit and uh and you know i I explained this to them and i said i was from scotland and one of the guys said oh scotland they have uh they have really good curling team yeah yeah of course oh oh, that's a bit random (laughs) and I I said uh, yeah yeah we do and he said oh I uh, I'm I'm in, I'm in the national park team and I said
0: some... that's absolutely awesome. I mean plot twist he was actually just escaped from a from a mental asylum. No. <laughs> <laughs> no that that's amazing right? Funny how these these um you know shared experiences can literally for people from literally the opposite sides of the planet can can bond over something that that's fantastic.
1: Yeah one of my f- other favorite experiences from from that trip was the uh, riding the Maokong gondola, which is just outside Taipei. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just just on just on the edge of Taipei, and it's a uh, it's a cable car that uh, goes over these tea plantations. Wow! And finishes at the top of the mountain. It's just this incredible ride over over a bunch of tea plantations and, and temples, and then you you turn up at the top of the mountain. And of course, there's a street food market. I think there's. Yeah, there are street food markets everywhere in Taiwan, and so we got some. Uh, I think I think we got some bomb pancakes. They were called, which is the incredible. I believe it's sort of fry an egg and then some batter, and then they just fling the whole lot onto a deep fat fryer. And it tunnels there, and then they put sauces all over it, and it is just fantastic. It's really bad for you, but <laughs> it tastes it, amazing. So we got, we got some of those, because I'd heard that was a kind of classic, uh, classic street food dish in, in Taiwan. And then we we just wandered along and just, you know, again, just this very slow travel kind of kind of attitude that we had. We just sort of stopped off at... Um, at, at tea houses and, and temples, but then when we were walking around, we were just—you know—we weren't lost. We were just wandering. Yeah. Right. This lady came up to us, um, who was a little bit older than my mom, and she said, uh, "Oh, are you? Are you okay? Are you lost?" And uh, we said, "Oh, no, no, we're just uh, we're just wandering around." And he said, uh, "Oh, well, uh, let me show you around." And we said, "Oh, okay." And she just decided to become our tour guide for the day. I think she'd just been out dog <laughs> And she just saw these you know, saw these these foreigners and thought, Oh, they you know, they look nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna welcome them to, to uh pong. And she you know, she took us to she took us to temple, she bought us tea and you know, just showed us these these beautiful gardens and um you know what about within about an hour she was showing us pictures of her grandkids and her phone
0: wonderful as we said six years later you're back in taiwan you're exploring it again for for Journey magazine um and of course thank you for doing that uh, sarah's written a whole heap of of, of stories for us including the uh, cover story for issue six quick plug there apologies uh, and so yeah tell us sarah about your kind of your recent experiences
1: I mean, I would say one of one of the experiences that stands out the uh, the most in my mind was visiting the uh, the, the Chishang rice paddies, which uh, which was the experience that I decided to open the the print feature with. And uh, these are some. Uh, so you've got the the great the sorry the East Rift Valley. Which runs up the well the eastern side of uh, of Taiwan, but there are some. There's a, a mountain range that runs along the east coast, and then a mountain range that runs up the center. And in between those, you have the the East Rift Valley, and there are uh, that's basically the the rice growing area of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So it's blanketed in in rice paddies, and they're so impossibly green. It's just incredible to look mm-hmm. at. And uh, dotted along these these rice paddies are these uh, beautiful trees. They're really uh, aesthetic trees. Yeah, they're
0: kind of you know, iconic tree, right? That kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're called apparently the type of tree, is Bishop's wood tree, mm-hmm. and they they look like little bonsai trees. They're so oh, yeah, so so beautifully beautifully coiffured, you know. <laughs> these uh, these trees just dot the the rice paddies and in the early um 21st century one of these trees became very famous as the site of an EVA air commercial mm. because the uh, the the actor in uh Takeshi Kaneshiro I hope I pronounced that right is seen drinking a cup of tea in front of one of the trees and then that very specific tree suddenly became a massive tourist attraction.
0: Oh, brilliant!
1: So people from all over Taiwan were going to the rice paddies just to see this one tree, and and they've a, they've actually installed a bench in front of it and a little bronze teapot next to it, so that people can pretend that they're sipping tea, like they are through <laughs> the advert. And you know, where well, I I got there, um, and there was this uh queue of people just fair you know Taiwanese are very, very polite and you know they they feel like the British and the Taiwanese would get on very well with their 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 um attitude queuing.
0: Sure, sure <laughs> and um
1: so I I joined this queue um and uh yeah everyone was just was just yeah, going going up to the bench and you know doing their the little pose and then and <laughs> going away. And oh, so one thing I forgot to mention is that the way you get to the tree is uh, on on a buggy. So we we arrived and we arrived in Qishang, and all I could see were all of these cartoon themed buggies parked at the side of the road. Really, there were there were Hello Kitty buggies, there were Pikachu buggies, and and then my guide Michelle she said. Oh, I think you should you should get that one because it has the flags of your country, and she's pointing at Thomas the Tank Engine, <laughs>
0: Fantastic.
1: and it's got it's 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 hung with Union Jacks. She said that's what she meant by the flags of your country. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, this is yeah. I guess guess this is going to have to be the one. So we we get into this Thomas the Tank Engine. Buggy, and it makes this horrendous noise as we pull out the, <laughs> of the of the car part and and then we go we're just trundling along and we're just it, it's it's so surreal I mean it's like something out of an anime you know we're we're going along in our Tom's tank engine we have got Hello Kitty and Pikachu and squirtle kind of <laughs> in the other way really? well, very. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, surreal and memorable for sure. Folks, if you're listening you want to learn more, it's Qishang, the Qishang uh, Township, which is C-H-I-S-H-A-N-G. That's in Taitung County.
1: We turn turn up at the tree, and all the the Taiwanese are very, very politely waiting um, in a queue, very British-like. And uh, we just just wait to... to, to see the tree, you know, they they put a bench out with the, the little bronze teapot where you can emulate the, the scene from the advert. Brilliant. But then as we're waiting, this pink buggy pulls up and this woman comes out in these big dragonfly sunglasses. <laughs> wow. She, she swagger's up to the front of the queue, not not paying any attention to the queue, and then starts, sits and starts posing and pa- taking pictures without without having waited. Ugh. And don't like that. Oh, the, the Taiwanese are having none of this. <laughs> yeah, good. It's like they they she she's really broken some you know so, some social code. Yeah. Right. And and it, it's just I suddenly felt I mean, especially with the Thomas and uh, Thomas the tank engine and the Union Jacks, I was suddenly going, why am, am I back in the uk because everyone's tutting. You know, <laughs> no, Everyone everyone's really annoyed at this woman and um her her minder says, Oh, she she used to be a famous pop star.
0: Used to be, yeah.
1: Used to be. And all all the people in the queue just go, mm, hmm Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes away and then and then this queue just just starts you know, starts moving along again and uh, and and everyone's just very polite, letting everyone everyone take their go. So yeah, they're they're just you know, extremely polite. It's very everything's very cool. Sure. Great.
0: Well, absolutely. If you're listening, dragon, what was it? Dragonfly sunglasses lady. If you're listening, shame on you. You're not even famous. Currently you're famous used to be Mm -hmm. absolutely appalling behavior. If you, if by some weird medium, this, this British based travel podcasts get to your ears, hang your head in shame. Anyhow, let's, let's talk a little bit, a bit more about Hualien. Um, because of course you were there to to do the Thomas the Tank Engine themed tourism. Of course you were, but you were also there to, to learn a bit about kind of religious and, and culinary significance in this case of of millet and rice. Um, and that's one of the stories that you wrote for us on on the Journey Mag website. Uh, tell us about a bit about your experiences, what you learned about about millet and rice.
1: Um, yes, yeah, so in in Taiwan there's a, a very big indigenous tourism industry, Sure, so to speak. sure. Uh, but they, because it's still quite new, it's it, it's been great actually because they've been able to um, kind of build it from the ground up mm, and, wonderful. and kind of follow the look. They've looked at the examples set in some other countries and they've picked the best bits and left the bits that they don't want to take. So, for example, there's not a huge amount of this kind of tribal dancing and flutes, and you know it, it's not.
0: It's not sure. A... Yeah, not that kind of. I don't know what the word is. Almost like this con- contrived kind of mm-hmm. tourism experience. Yeah,
1: you know, for for the most part, people people do wear um, you know, just typical typical dress because that's how indigenous people are dress these days. You know, they tend to, and uh, they, they don't tend to walk around in in tribal beer, Although they will, you know, they will occasionally sort of bring out you know various costumes that they'll wear for festivals and explain the significance of mm-hmm. these things, uh, which I think is is great. But by and large, you are spending time with the families just as they would spend time with each other. It's not an experience that has been cooked up for the benefit of tourists. So wonderful. I, I went to visit the the Amis tribe, which is the, the largest uh, tribe in, in Taiwan uh there are sixteen sixteen recognized tribes altogether, and i i visited the taological community, which is a uh, yeah community in in the east rift valley Brilliant. and i was uh taught how to make uh how to make rice wine as it's um sacred uh, sacred sticky sorry glutinous red rice they they call it and it's it's really delicious actually. Yes. Um yeah, big I mean, being half Asian, big fan of rice. Right? So
0: Of course. Being not Asian, still a big fan of rice.
1: <laughs> so yeah, they they told me how to make rice wine. It's actually still um it's actually still in my cupboard, the jar of uh of rice and so it is going to be extremely alcoholic.
0: That'll <laughs> <laughs> be oh, dangerous. <Crack> it <laughs>
1: yeah I might crack it over for Christmas and just get my whole family completely
0: wasted. yeah yeah why not That's, tis tis the season
1: yeah i think that this this wine was traditionally made uh made only by women and um in in a in a secret uh like like a, a tent in which no one was no one was allowed to come inside so it was a very uh, sacred process uh, back then but so I was very very grateful that they they have opened up that experience to to tourists yeah, sure. um but uh yes so we we made we made that it has to ferment for a minimum of uh of one month and then we had this incredible banquet of uh Wonderful indigenous food and the indigenous uh, indigenous cuisine is quite different to um the typical sort of uh, street food that that you you find in taiwan so there are a lot of there are a lot of different facets to to food in taiwan so you've got the kind of you know the street food the bomb pancakes mm-hmm, the, sure, um, you know the, the the deep fried stuff which is you know really delicious but then the the indigenous stuff is um like uh, you, you find a lot of like, fresh fish and vegetables, mm. and um, a, a lot of like uh, millet wine or rice wine um, served along with that, and it it was some of the. I mean, in in a in a country in which I already love all of the food, I would say that the indigenous food was probably some of the best that I had in, in the entire... Wow, country.
0: fantastic. Um, Sarah, obviously we can speak about food and particularly street food in Taiwan all day long. And well, let's get into the food shortly because I know you had some wonderful experiences in some of the night markets. But I know there was something else that you wanted to talk about in terms of your experiences with the indigenous tribes.
1: I didn't quite have uh, room to talk about it in, in, in my piece for Journey, but it was it but it was a really really special experience, was going to see the uh, Tafalong tribal culture health station is called mm-hmm. and it's this place where the elderly uh, community in Tafalong there are about 800 of them all um well some of them gather at this this so-called health station and they they just have well they ju- just have a good old time you know they they get to to meet up and, and socialize before they Brilliant they go back to their homes. But when, and that was going on when we arrived in the village and I went in and I saw that there was some sort of a class going on and there were all of these um, Amis, lang- so the Amis have their own language, they do speak Mandarin as well, but they, they have their own language and there were all of these uh, boards up with the, the Amis words on them. And there was a a pastor, a Christian pastor, uh standing at the front of the room, and all of these um elderly tribes people were sitting um opposite him and I thought that it was a class where you know the pastor was teaching things because he was writing words up on a board, and the students, so to speak, were shouting um shouting out words at him mm-hmm. and then Michelle said to me that actually it's not he's not teaching them they're teaching him because oh, he's wow. working on a dictionary of Ami's words and so he was writing Amazing. words say you know he said basically so, uh, for example shout out all the words you know to do with rain you know and all of these, these Amis would say you know the word and then this rough mandarin equivalent of the word so that he could would be able to to write it in the dictionary
0: yeah.
1: and, so, and so michelle said no he's he's not the teacher he's the student
0: that's amazing
1: i just thought that was amazing because um i think something that a lot of people don't know is that uh, taiwan is actually considered to be the cradle of austronesian languages so all the uh, well not all the languages but many of the languages spoken in uh, Malaysia, Philippines, uh, the Pacific Islands, uh, also also Maori. Uh, yeah, Zealand, wow. Spoken by indigenous New Zealanders, um, all of those languages uh, originated in in Taiwan. The sort of root of those languages was in Taiwan. Um, Fantastic. With the um, what what's called the Formosan languages, mm-hmm. the, the indigenous uh, Taiwanese languages, um, and what really for me was really gave me chills was i was reading the some of the posters with the ami's words on them um one in particular that had the ami's numbers on them um and i i i speak killa so my my mum's language mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and i was looking i was looking at these uh these numbers and they looked so so similar to the numbers in my mum's language oh,
0: wow.
1: yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah it was really really kind of hairs on the back of your neck sort of sort of feeling seeing that that similarity but i i just thought that it was incredible that they were working on preserving preserving the language and also around the health center they were they were also um uh, they they were also kind of making uh traditional remedies like you could see traditional remedies in in jars and all these tribal elders were sharing you know the way that they would make uh traditional health remedies and
0: Things like that. What a wonderful kind of, you know, closing the loop. Let's say of your your own heritage, and then your experiences with your mom in Taiwan six years ago, moving forward to to the present day. Isn't that wonderful? ok, let's do the let's do the obvious thing now, and let's talk a little bit about the food because it is Taiwan and what is Taiwan without the food, particularly the street food. Um, but let's not go right into the the nuts and bolts of its era because we've spoken a lot about food in previous episodes of the podcast. Perhaps you could pick maybe just one favorite experience,
1: yeah, God. um oh, one of my one of my favorite uh, street food snacks, which I've seen I've seen a pretty much every night market. In, in Taiwan is called the ice cream roll, and it's uh-huh. two or two or three bowls of ice cream, usually uh, taro and pineapple.
0: Are- taro is kind of like the red vegetable, right? Ah,
1: uh, it. Uh, I believe it's root.
0: It's a root.
1: Okay, yeah. Taro, pineapple, um, and sometimes mango, and they put it in in a crepe, and they oh, put yum. these three uh, bowls of ice cream in a crepe, and then. There's a big block of peanut brittle on the stall. Oh, and the seller scrapes it with a sort of chisel-like implement mm-hmm. and puts the shavings peanut brittle onto the ice cream. And then adds coriander, oh. which you <laughs> <laughs> didn't think would work, but does. And then just rolls it all up together. And it's like a little ice cream burrito. Oh, wow. One of the most fantastic things I've ever tasted. I desperately want one right now, even though it's December <laughs> and I'm in Scotland. So that's testament to just how delicious these are.
0: Ice cream burrito. That's fantastic. Another of the stories that Sarah has written for us is about this uh, thriving art and music scene that's just on the outskirts of Tainan City. Sarah, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, the Pendrum Cultural Village, it's called, was set up in a, in a disused sugar refinery on the outskirts of on the outskirts of Tainan. Amazing. I love I love this origin story because as a as a sometime semi-professional musician, I can very much identify <laughs> with, the, with the clients of this this drumming troupe, This oh, Tainan based uh, drumming troupe called called the Ten Drum Group uh were looking for a practice space which in which they could practice without bothering the neighbors. Sure. And being a drumming troop they make an awful lot of noise so <laughs> that's not not easy not an easy ask and they eventually managed to find this disused sugar refiner- refinery on the the outskirts of of Tainan and they managed to um just just through using the money that they were uh, raising from, from their shows they managed to make it into well they managed to make it safe and, and habitable and started using it as a rehearsal room Amazing. And then uh started using it as a stage so they could uh, start putting on, on shows for the people of Tainan or even further afield. They realized that, you know, just having a stage show it was quite it was quite far out of Tainan and that probably wouldn't be enough to tempt people out there, to j- jump mm-hmm. shows it is. So the founder of the group decided to turn this sugar refinery, which was architecturally incredible you know it's just this steampunk paradise of knotted pipes and you know rusting machines just it just looked really cool it's like post-apocalyptic video game he decided to turn it into a theme park with this kind of post-industrial theme and and make it like a big family day out for for people in 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 tainan well initially people in tainan but it's ended up being becoming this big attraction for for people all over all over Taiwan and internationally
0: fantastic Uh, Sarah you've also been discovering Tainan from a kind of old versus new perspective she's had a very very busy year this year folks yeah it's the 400th anniversary of the city of Tainan and so you've been looking at it from like I say this old versus new kind of angle perhaps you could share some of your experiences uh,
1: Tainan was the really Taiwan's first major city sure oldest city and uh, as he said is turning four hundred next year. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 really like going in it is like going back in time. It's it's um you know, visited the Confucius Temple, which was uh, one of the the first uh, schools. I mean if you as if you like temples you will love Tainan. One of my favorite parts of uh visiting the the Tainan temples was the realization that uh the deity uh Gong, who is uh the deity of uh, war but i think he's he's also the deity of uh merchants and he is he, he is one of the the most the most popular in um, in in this in this religion you know he's he's one of the the gods that has the, the most temples the most shrines right and his his temple in uh in, in Tainan is is very, very grand and it has all kinds of you know sign temples and, and other you know places where you where you can go to worship. But I think the most incredible thing was that I was Michelle and I were walking to the temple and Michelle points over at this little temple off the off the side of the main one. It's about the size of a garage. <laughs> she says that's the temple for Luangong's horse. <laughs> and I said, "You're joking." Okay. And she said, "No, no, no, no. That's a temple for his horse." What do you mean? There's a whole temple for just a horse? And and she said, "No, there's a, there's a there's a pot of grass outside." And sure enough, I looked, and there there was a pot of grass sitting outside of the temple. And she said, "That's for the horse." I went inside, and and sure enough, I mean, you saw, there was a a actually, I didn't initially see the horse. Uh, because in front there was a, a statue of a of a man, and uh, I said, "Oh, is that Guang Gong?" And she said, "No, no, no, that's Guang Gong's horse's <laughs> caretaker." <laughs> I said, "Okay," and then she said, "Do you see the horse?" I said, "I don't see the horse." And she said, "No, no, it's it's at the back." And I look around the the, the statue of the caretaker is maybe about half the size of a of a human, um, but I look around the back of the caretaker, and there is a full life-sized horse statue behind (laughs) just just in the back phenomenal for people to come and uh yeah to come and pay their respects
0: well and that's guangongs also that's g-u-a-n (laughs) g-o-n-g Uh, and that's his temple, which is in Tainan, which is celebrating its 400th anniversary next year. Sarah, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you this morning. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing some of your experiences. Perhaps we can kind of, as we wend our way to the end of this conversation, perhaps you can share a little bit about how people can can find you online.
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter slash X at, uh, at SJC Gillespie and fantastic. on instagram at sarah jc gillespie and my website
0: is sarah jc fantastic folks you have been listening to sarah gillespie she's a half filipina half scottish freelance travel and lifestyle writer thank you so much for joining us today sarah thank you you've been listening to the journey podcast where i so si wilmore talk with pioneers trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in their industries thanks so much for listening and i'll speak to you soon